Welcome into the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. It is the Red Dead Redemption Eve. Gentlemen, how fired up are you for this video game? BC, have you played video games in the last, <laughs> I don't know, since Pong came out? Oh, that's very funny of you. Um, I owned a PlayStation 2 like 13 years ago. What are we up to, PS4 now? Yeah, we're at the PS4. So we've doubled it? Doubled it. Double the fun. Uh, yeah, I... I have no interest in that whatsoever. You're just out. And you're I didn't out even know that games. was coming out. Is this like, this is a big deal? It was just on the uh, the monitor here in our new studios. Oh, okay, yeah. It's a big deal when Michael Brunts texts me about it. That's that's how I know it's a big deal. I have a reputation for getting really excited about video games and then either not purchasing them or purchasing them and rarely playing them during football season. So I, I feel like you should purchase this one and play it, but probably not as much during football season as you will out of football season. So why why should I purchase it? Give me the give me the quick fifteen second elevator pitch. Well, the original Red Dead Redemption was probably the greatest campaign game ever made by Rockstar, which might be the greatest video game company ever parents of the grand theft auto franchises well as several other open world concept games and basically it's like you're living in either west world or a western it's like the greatest thing ever hmm. i i can't imagine can, being you, more can you drink sarsaparilla in the uh, game yeah i was told that there you have to like you can get haircuts and go and get drinks and food and your like character has to to do this in order to sustain its life so, this is way different than Pong. Yeah. yeah. So, so is, you're telling me I have to take my character to, to go eat somewhere or else he's going to die in the game? Could be. Shouldn't it just be assumed that Or his that skills won't level up as fast. <laughs> okay. It's all part his of the His skills won't level up with the, without that sarsaparilla? Yeah, he needs that sarsaparilla. So you you know whose skills leveled up over this past weekend? Who? Nebraska football <laughs> with a win over Minnesota. Wow. Moving How does that for segue voice? Jeez. You're just moving right along. BC had a question, but yeah, I kind of forgot what it was. I well, I wonder, video games. Yeah, when the guy eats, I'm really fascinated by this. Do I you, mean, I don't know. I haven't played the game. You got to like sit there told. for like a half hour while you guy. No, I don't. I don't think it's like real time eating. It, uh, you got to like sit there and watch this guy gnaw on a turkey leg for thirty minutes. I hope it's just a big spud. <laughs> it's just a massive potato over the fire. Had it in the aluminum foil, just like. Mike kind he gets of buried in eight hours later. <laughs> I figured you'd be in. Yeah. I just had to find out what the right. connection was for you. you. Next time you come over here, you're going to see me playing. I'll be addicted to that game, That'd giving my guy a haircut. I like it. <laughs> BC's going to get a PS4 after this Bethune-Cookman game. I can see it now. And that's who Nebraska plays this week, in case you forgot. It's not a bye week. So if you had plans on Saturday, cancel them. Because you're going to need to watch or Nebraska. No, <laughs> you got to watch this game. They're coming off a win. Now is not the time to get off board. That's true. This is when you want to, to watch what Nebraska can do next. There's never been a more of a feel-good vibe about a 1-6 and six team in the history <laughs> of sports. It's, it's remarkable to me how, I mean, the narrative really shifted around Nebraska. It was kind of shifting anyways. And how quickly the narrative shifted around Ohio State after they lost to Purdue. It was like... David Blau and Wandale Moore go crazy on him. And then all of a sudden, like, Ohio State's, like, shutting down his football program. Yeah, I mean, we'll find out in a couple of weeks if they're really shutting that program down. But uh, Or if they're scoring 62 we'll, points. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if Nebraska holds them under 42 <laughs> for once in the Urban Meyer era. Under 50 for once in the or Urban the, or Meyer era. Or the punting era. thing. 
Well, there's the punting thing. But they had them punt in 2012. So we've seen punts out of Urban Meyer's Ohio State teams. So The thing I will say after Saturday's Nebraska game, and I was already kind of feeling this way, but it, it confirmed it all. There is that added intrigue. Like, we're going to get on a plane and go to Columbus, Ohio, and a few weeks ago that looked like about the worst possible thing ever, right? I mean, what are we going to see? Carnage. But now that it's an 11 a.m. kick, you're a little more well, fired that, up. That has it. me a little upbeat, and we still might see carnage. But there, Mine, is, yeah, there sure. is that idea, like, what what might the offense do against that defense? I, I, on a personal level, when I saw that 11 a.m. kick, my eyebrows rose a couple, a couple notches. Yeah. Yeah. Brunts, uh, Brunts doesn't want to do a night game in Columbus ever again, I think. <laughs> Certainly not one in which he had to drive to Cleveland and fly out the next morning at 7 a.m. with Mark Manning and Gerald Foster <laughs> on the flight. Not only was Gerald Foster on the flight, it was like a half-empty flight, and I ended up sitting next to Gerald Foster. Who then requested to move immediately. <laughs> Because we were the only full row on the flight. Yeah. <laughs> and they wouldn't let us move it. There was 14 people on that total plane. It was pretty great. And yeah. uh, I didn't realize it was him for a while. He had like a hood on. He was yeah. like sleeping. And then sitting next to a 310-pound offensive guard on a tiny little plane. And he, he wanted no part of it. Did he just get up and... He put his call light on. Yeah. Hit the call light and got up. <laughs> Watched the whole thing happen. It was wonderful. <laughs> It was it was absolutely stupendous. So, but we can get more into that Ohio State game during Ohio State week. Let's not rob Bethune Cookman and Nebraska coming off of this win. So, I have actually uh, a few things I'd like to get into with this game. What impressed you the most, if anything did? Maybe maybe you were unimpressed by this game against Minnesota, but what what impressed you about Nebraska's 53-28 win over the Gophers in which at one point I believe they were up 28 nothing? before uh, Minnesota was able to get on the board? Well, the disappointing part was that it became 28-22. But then there was that there was a feeling like, okay, are we going to really see this team figure out a way to lose a 28-point lead? And that drive when it was 28-22, when Maurice Washington just like looked quicker than anybody on the field, and then 33 yards of rushing for him. That yeah, drive. that was that and was, the most important thing. They found Stanley Morgan for a touchdown yeah. to flip that. It had everything. That drive had everything you wanted right there. It had Maurice Washington as a young player being that guy in a big moment who give me the ball. I'll get you a couple first downs. And then great play call on the Stanley touchdown. They moved him around this week um, where I think it made it easier for Martinez to find him in the offense. And that's smart because he's too good a player to have gone quiet the way he was against Northwestern. And it wasn't because of him, I don't think. But he only had two catches in that game. So he had five times as many receptions this week. And now he's on track for about as many yards as he had a year ago. That that game was just such a perfect picture going forward of what that offense can look like when it really starts humming. I mean, you, you had J.D. Spielman doing what he did, Stanley Morgan. You had three guys rushing for 100 yards. I mean, it, it just – obviously, Nebraska is not going to go for 700 yards every week. But, I mean, that 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 kind of an offense is going to keep you in a lot of games. It's also going to make for some really long games. But, um, you know, I, I think that is kind of what Nebraska and Nebraska's coaching staff has kind of felt like this offense had in it. It's just a matter of kind of getting everything going at the same time. This defense 
has to get more consistent. There's no question, and they've got to at some point you're gonna, they're going to have to find some more ballers who can just be that Shaquem Griffin type guy who can get a quarterback when it's when it's 28 to seven, and they can make that play that says no, you're not even going to make this a game, you know, like Minnesota did. They still need those guys. That said, I think we kind of talked about this maybe after the game a little bit. A 53-28 final. I do think Nebraska fans are going to have to adjust to this style of football, like Oklahoma kind of plays, where, you know, they'll, they'll win a game 59-35 and be fine with it, you know. And um, there might be some difficulties for some people with that, I think, just the stats that are going to be accumulated and adjusting to how different it's going to be. Here's something I liked out of the defense. They were put in tougher positions in that game than what you might remember when you see the stat line at, at 28 points. I mean, in the what first half, it felt like Minnesota started about every drive at their own 35 or a little bit further up the field. Uh, and they they kept turning them back. I mean, they kept basically winning those until late in the second quarter, I think. And so, um, you know, I I thought the defense – had certainly moments where they played well. They were able to get off the field. They were able to get stops. They got, I think, a key fourth down stop. I mean, they they made plays in that game. Like, they weren't perfect, uh, and they weren't great, but they were able to, to be successful against a Minnesota offense that they were better than, frankly. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not a very good Minnesota team with the injuries they have right now, and they're young in some spots, and so – uh, you know, Nebraska took advantage of, of some areas, and they were successful. They they got the ball back to their offense, and let they let their offense build that 28 nothing lead. I mean, that's something we haven't seen a whole lot of where the defense actually gets the stops and the offense responds by putting on points. If the offense did that at Northwestern, we're not even talking about the defense at the end of that game because they would have ran away with it. Yeah. Colorado probably would have been – yeah. I mean, there's going to be probably four games at the end of the season that – players, fans, and coaches are going to look back on and really play the what-if game with about like 10 plays probably. Yeah. I mean, that's the difference between being home in mm-hmm. December or being in New York at the pinstripe bowl. <laughs> <laughs> the other part, it can get a little hokey, but I thought it was kind of one of those special moments in Nebraska football. You know, when you understand there's a passionate fan base – but with the 0 and 6 team, I thought it was going to be a real sleepy day over there, and I thought there'd be all sorts of empty seats. I did, and walking over, it was quiet. And then it was a loud crowd. It was loud. That fourth quarter down on the sidelines, I remarked to a couple other people in the media. You guys came down a little after I did. I mean, people were fired up. Yeah, and they stayed till the end, most of them. I mean, it was a, mostly a full house till the very end, and I know it gets tired, the whole back-slapping the fan base, but I did think it was like you you have to step back sometimes say, okay, that's pretty special. Like the fact that they were trying to will their team to a win at Northwestern the way they were on the road and, and, and then the impact they had in that game, that, that was one of the things that I'll remember from that game. Yeah, well, and then, I mean, Frost got the <laughs> – the inappropriate Gatorade shower and he made his way through the tunnel and that was a very loud ovation for him too. I mean, that was a, a moment for him that uh, he'll never forget. I'm sure it took longer than expected, but I'm sure it was no less exciting and enthralling to somebody who grew up in this state, played for this team and 
now has the opportunity to lead them again. That losing streak, I really thought it f- felt like it was beating him down each week. Mm-hmm. Like when he was coming to talk to us, it was, it's like, man, this guy, he's going to be down two feet off the ground by the time this thing ends. Just comes to the post game press conference smoking a cigarette, just <laughs> yeah. angry smoking. I'm, I'm, yeah, that, and they always believe they're going to get, you know, they're going to get it going. They do believe that. But still, it's, I think at some point he was like the rest of us where it's like, what is happening yeah. here? With the, like it's the most bizarre things. Let me, let me ask you this, kicking it forward. You guys were over there on Monday, Tuesday. I was there Wednesday. You, you talked to Frost late in the week. I mean, what were there any differences in how the coaches were following a win than – the weeks leading up to it, because I, you know, with somebody like Mario Verduzco and Adrian Martinez has a 25, a 29 performance. And all he wants to talk about is a throw on second down where Martinez took the gimme and he had a chance to, in Verduzco's terms, put it down the pike and he didn't do it. And uh, he, I mean, he wasn't mad, but you could see like, this is a guy that is, doesn't care about the 25 of 29, doesn't care about the touchdowns or the, the yards. I mean, he wants the wins, but I like, I mean, I like that there's no yeah. difference between Mario Verduzco talking after the Michigan game when Martinez didn't play well and Nebraska didn't play well. And there's no difference between him talking after the Minnesota game where everybody's on cloud nine because the offense looks spectacular. I think that's going to serve this team really well going forward. I know that with past teams we've covered, it's always kind of felt like they could get a little elevator-ish up and down based on previous week's results, even some of the coaches. And so to have that sort of even keel nature, and that's just Verduzco, but, I mean, Helb seems similar to me in both situations. I don't know how the other assistants were or Frost, but I think that's a good thing for Nebraska. I, I the, the players on Monday, I mean, I didn't really get a sense that – they had relaxed or they didn't seem outwardly different to me than they had been after the Northwestern game or the Colorado or whatever. I mean, it's, it was very much an attitude. I think of, okay, this is what we like. We've been playing well in stretches. We just finally have the wind to show for it. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's kind of what you, what you want. I mean, I guess that's maybe a change in culture. I don't know, but it's, I, I don't think that players ever lost the belief that they were going to turn it around, that they were going to get that win. And, you know, maybe that's something you build off. I mean, you, you look at the way Nebraska's schedule ends the year. I mean, I, four and two, probably pretty fair at this point. I think they can win four games. Yeah. Four more games? No, three more. I mean, they could win four more, but I think they'll win three more. I just wanted to, to inch that as close up to the. They're gonna win them all. <laughs> I mean, not saying that you make a do Bo that, Polini uh, right. statement in 2012 or a Tim Tebow statement in 2009. Four and eight. Four and eight. That's your call. Yeah. What do you think? That's fair. I mean, it's it's gonna be a much better looking four and eight than some of the other four and eights we've seen. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's all about how you finish, too. Um, and I mean, That's it, just it, yeah. If uh, Picture this scene. Like, say they're 3-8, and eight, and they go to Iowa City, and they beat a good Iowa team, one of the better teams Ference has had in a while. And 
if if they do that, it's going to be like, oh, you know, people are going to be like loaded for bear for 2019 right away. It won't even necessarily matter that they're not in a bowl game at that point. I I made the joke, like, let's say Nebraska somehow gets to five and seven. They get the APR thing. Could could Nebraska just say, you know, we don't want to go to the bowl game. We're just going to take the practices and stick around Lincoln a little bit. Well, I don't think you get the practices without the bowl game, right? So you have to go to Detroit? Yes. That's part of the deal? <laughs> yeah. That's your penalty. <laughs> I mean, if you're the players, is there an excitement about practicing with no game? You're Divino Zigbo. Why would you practice? There's no game. There's You're done. You graduate. Well, you don't have to go to Detroit, so. I mean, <laughs> I think that's a bigger reward for you than maybe the – the rest of them? Just send the bull swag in the mail. There's no reason to go there. When do we bust out the old uh, APR brackets and, like... It's early. A couple well, weeks. Well, there's, there's certainly people out there that have already studied up on it. I don't think Nebraska <laughs> says yes to it. I really don't. I think that was a one-time thing, and I don't I don't think they want to go down that road anymore. Pac-12 has already said they're not having any part of that yeah. anymore. So. Lots of room for so a 5-7 and seven some, team in there. There's some openings. <laughs> I like how excited you are about this back here. <laughs> there, there was. You, you'd be hard pressed to find something that matched the excitement of that, that the APR watch from 2015. That, that was like was, a three-week thing. We were watching like old. I remember Old Dominion had a game that factored in pretty heavily to Nebraska's yeah. situation, and you're like monitoring the score of that game. Just like the Get days it. of trying to figure out the BCS math to get Nebraska. It's like bubble watch. Bowl. Bubble watch. <laughs> and then Bronson uh, and I hung out in San Fran and had a heck of a time. Did we not? Yeah. Look, I hope you guys get to go back to San Fran <laughs> or New York City. Well, we really. wouldn't be that lucky. But, yeah. um, but Fort, Fort Worth is probably. Your point uh, that you guys are making is correct about I, I don't feel like this – you shouldn't be. You won one game, you know. Everybody mm. wins one or two, but they're, they're not—they're—they're well, they're not over the moon about anything over there. And and Mario Verduska is a good example of it. Um, I think the best coaches and the best players, for that matter, have a way of trusting what they see beyond the wins and losses. Like you know, I think what kept those guys steady. And Mario Verduska said, "I wasn't losing any sleep. I wasn't because." I saw how we were practicing, and they feel like it's on a good trajectory. And the one and six is what everybody will focus on, but I think they feel like, yeah, they've been more like a four and three type team, and that's kind of how they've practiced. And so I, I, I think that's what has kept the, this staff uh, feeling confident about where they're going right now. Well, speaking of confidence, how confident are you guys that Nebraska is going to handle their business against Bethune-Cookman in such a manner that they could maybe get some new people out on the field. I think they will because I think this offense is pretty dang good for FBS teams to deal with, let alone, you know, a team from a lower division that's not great. And so uh, by all intents and purposes, you you hate to say a one-team win team should score 56, but they should score 56 and they should do it pretty easily. Are you guaranteeing 56 no, points? I said 55, I think. So, no. But 
Well, you haven't said anything yet, but I might say fifty-five at some point. <laughs> that one point's a big deal. I to said you. I was having a conversation with my aunt last night, and I said I think maybe fifty-five. I think that's where I'm. Did your pulling. aunt think that was a little high? Uh, I don't think so. She thought it was about right. Was she going higher? She wants seventy. Aunt Colleen had sixty-six to uh, ten. Wow, it's very specific, Aunt Colleen. Did she? Uh, <laughs> We might have to have her on the podcast. Aunt Colleen? Yeah. She'd probably do it. She's about the nicest person in the world, so. Okay. Wolf. And I'm also made up this entire story, I need to say. I didn't actually talk to Aunt Colleen yesterday. She didn't say 6610. She's so nice. I don't want to have that lie on my shoulders. The jig (laughs) is up. Yeah, I think they probably handle their business. Okay. What does your aunt think? Uh... I haven't asked. I, maybe I should. Can be a new segment yeah. in future weeks. <laughs> the what does your in. aunt think? <laughs> we each have to ask a various family member as to their thoughts on Nebraska football. It could be pretty ugly. The older, the better. Basically judging on the text messages I get from people in my family. So My family's mostly Colorado fans. I was going to so say. That's kind of limited. I don't, think, I don't think you'd like what you get back from that. <laughs> Looks great over here. Yeah. Just rolling along. We're going to go eight and four. We're going to be playing the Foster Farms Bowl. Where are you? <laughs> All right. Well, what, what, what do you guys want to see in this game? I mean, you've got Nebraska with an opportunity to, to keep the momentum going. You had a defense with an opportunity to maybe solve some woes. You've got the offense that – We'll see if Adrian Martinez continues to progress and Maurice Washington builds on a 100-yard performance and if Devino Zigbo finds another defense that doesn't want to try to touch him before he runs into the end zone. So what what side of the ball and, and who specifically are you maybe targeting to watch? Well, I, I think I'd like to see a little bit more from the front seven on defense. I, I think they will be challenged a little bit. Uh, in this game, just because of how Bethune-Cookman's offense works, spread attack, it's quarterback run game. Uh, you know, it's an opportunity to go out and really just kind of shut this game down early on. Um, I, I think that you're seeing guys play with some more confidence. Dedrick Young's played probably the two best games of his career in, in back-to-back weeks. Uh, you had the black shirts handed out. Some guys are probably feeling good about that. Um, and I, I just think that it's – I'm just looking for consistency from that group. Can they play 60 solid minutes instead of 55 or you know, 45 or whatever they played uh, last week against Minnesota? That that That's the biggest thing to me. And then, you know, when you get the young guys that, that might get in, do we see Braxton Clark a lot? Do we see uh, – uh, blanking on Cam Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, do we, do we see some of those guys a little bit more out there in this game? Uh, I mean, heck, do we see JoJo Doman at outside linebacker a little bit more uh, now that he's playing over there? I, th- I think there's this game is probably going to be more about individual performances in that way rather than you know what we learned from Nebraska's team as a whole. We have a joke. I sometimes joke with you. I do those fast takes where you're you're writing them on the fly during the game, and it's the most annoying team in the world to do them for because you can't find like you don't know in most of these games, whether it's slanting positive or negative, because Nebraska can never, like, take 
a firm grip, you know, where the thing is just settled midway through the third quarter. Throw in a couple quarter subheads so then people know well, when these takes are happening. Well, I've started doing that actually because of this. Yeah, but uh, but I, I, this is a week where let's – how about start that trend a little bit? I mean, this this should be a game where you, you, you just handle your business and dominate. Just show that this is a – FCS team you're supposed to go out there and be ahead by 28 35 points by early third quarter go ahead and do it get the young guys in the game make it where it's a pseudo bye week basically where you get a you get that win you wanted people get a day in Lincoln to tailgate and enjoy the weather but you also got to play a lot of young guys and finally get Miles Jones on the field and get him a few touches I, I just think that's critical that some of those players experience what it's like to be in a game, and this is the perfect week to do it. Did you think Nebraska could have gotten some guys on the field last week? Um, yeah, I mean, at the and I, I, I do think sometimes, especially when you haven't won a game, there's a let's let's finish this thing and make sure nothing screws up. And until I don't think Scott Frost felt comfortable, honestly. And he said until Maurice Washington scored that touchdown, um, and I kind of get that because even Minnesota scored and missed a two that would have got it to sixteen, and it would have been a two-score game. So I'm sure in his mind he was still thinking like, "Is there any way, possible way, we can still blow this thing?" And so that that was probably preventing some of that. I I think they got a few guys in there at the very end, but. That's the you want to see like a quarter, quarter and a half from some of those guys, you know. Like let Noah Vedral get some snaps in this game. Let uh, I, you know, Cam Taylor. I'd, I'd like to see him play a full half at cornerback because I think he he does interesting stuff when he's on the field. So stuff like that. So Vedral over Andrew Bunch here. Well, actually. You want to see all three of them? Yeah, yeah. Because bunches too, right? That was made. Bun- bunches. The uh, Verduzco said yesterday, as it stood, bunch would be the the next guy on the field if mm-hmm. Martinez comes off for whatever reason. So bunchy, just yes. bunch. Oh, trying to be professional. He didn't call him bunchy. No, I think he just said bunch. I mean, I probably wasn't paying close enough attention to direct quote it. So Frost always calls him bunchy, doesn't he? He does. That's why I got on the bunchy train. You're you're all aboard. Yep. Bunches of bunchies with brunts. Mm-hmm. Well, um, what else is there to get into this game? I mean, there's not <laughs> there's not a whole Man, lot the hype to be cast, excited about. When we record it in the future, is going to be so hyped. Well, I I don't look for this to be the hype cast that we submit to our podcast awards at the end of the year. We should have a podcast awards. <laughs> Get your aunt involved. She can nominate her she favorite players. She can go, th- go through and rank them, yeah. Yeah. Annie C. Yeah. I think she would like that sock talk one. Yeah, I would say sock talk is probably pretty high on the on the on what I hear about the most from people. Who Ohio, Ohio State wore uh, mismatching socks this past Oh, summer. are we getting into it already? Well, I don't have to. I just was thinking uh, about I this. don't want to talk about Bethune-Cookman anymore, honestly. <laughs> You were trying to pivot from that pretty hard. Yeah, that yeah. was. I mean, that was fun, wasn't it? Watching old Purdue Pete just get out his hammer. Well, as yep. <laughs> probably the biggest fanboy non-Purdue podcast group of people that we are around here with Let's Play Football, Jeff Brom and David Blau uh, and Rondale Moore. I mean, I, I think 
the three of us probably enjoyed it more than most. Though I think there was a lot of people who like seeing Ohio State get a little. I was just I was just disappointed that you guys didn't go downtown with me to Purdue University Global to celebrate the win. Yeah, what Saturday. was that like? What was the scene? It was Paint the lit. Picture. It was lit. Was it lit? There's just like hammers everywhere, <laughs> couches on fire. Really? Yeah. BC could use some of those couches. I could, I'd need a couch downstairs. So it, it's a little singed from what I saw. But they uh, they had cops on horseback. Oh, they were man. like, yeah, it was. Uh, you didn't text me about this. It was a scary scene for a while. Scary, but, yeah. But I think everybody was just so happy that Purdue won that uh, they they took to the streets of Lincoln to celebrate. Did, did Purdue Pete look as sad after that win as he normally does? I think just more menacing. More menacing. Yes, just taking more souls. So he went from like sad eyes of. You know, his normal self to now he's in your dreams ready to haunt you. It's taking Urban Meyer's soul. How many pictures of Purdue Pete are on your desktop? Actually, none. Where, where, he's got them in his phone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also two in his billfold, which I think is odd. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, none, actually. Okay. But I, uh, they're, they're easy to find Googling. So I, I didn't, I didn't. The, the Purdue Pete blood bank one is the one that always gets me. So, the Urban Meyer on the train eating the pizza meme that made its way around the internet on Saturday was probably the best thing I saw. Yes, it was yes. just incredible. I, mean, I enjoyed it very much. There were some other pretty good uh, shots taken at. Oh, Urban, there were shots, but yeah. uh, maybe not almost repeatable on yeah. there. Yep. <laughs> some of them, but I'll admit I kind of chuckled at a few of them. Yeah, they're they're the kind of things that you like you don't want to laugh about, but then you end up laughing anyways. Yeah, I did. And then you feel bad sort of repeating or sharing it, which I just did kind of. Well, but, people can figure it out. You know. Well, I think I think most people in this country thought that's a program that needs to get its come up and and they got it on Saturday and then they got to deal with Frost and the crew after maybe a two-game winning streak next week, so who knows, huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. What else? What else happened around the Big Ten? Well, we had Michigan beat Michigan State. And Michigan now the best team in the conference? Northwestern. Nebraska's, right. Nebraska's beat down? No, Northwestern lost to Michigan. I'm just saying, they're going to win the West. Are Corny, they? Corny Brooks got some concussion issues. They're moaning for Cone up in uh, Madison. Jack Cone? Yeah. Worst. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. That's so bad. Uh, it, everything's just lining up for Pat Fitzgerald. Penn State struggled against Indiana. Yeah, Michigan's the best team. Which I wouldn't have guessed that going into that game in Ann Arbor. Yeah, I mean, that that, that defense. and Well, I think I was pretty hard on Nebraska's offensive line after that game because it was so abysmal. But then but, you've seen what that defensive line has done to just about everybody. And Nebraska's O-line – to kind of bring it back to local has been much improved the last few weeks. There's promising stuff that's gone on there. So what if Nebraska's first two opponents in big 10 play under Scott Frost met for the big 10 championship game? It'd be very on brand for this Michigan and Purdue just meeting up. Everybody's just kind of mad about how those two games went. And then you look up in December and there's Rondale Moore racing to the end zone 
Purdue, Purdue kind of got screwed, too, because they had to open against uh, Northwestern. Well, that's not why they got screwed. The officiating in that well, yeah, game couldn't that have been more horrific. That's but uh, remember when you were knocking on Purdue's defense and that there's no way they'd have any sort of success this year? I was dubious. You were dubious. I was on board, and then I got off board. Now they look really good, and I look dumb. I can't win. I wanted to be an early adopter, and then I sold all my stock, and now I can't buy any back because I don't have any money. It's a tough place to be. Yeah. This is basically just like Vegas. You'd say if you look back at Nebraska's schedule, it's – I mean, it was it was tougher than I think we even thought it was going to be uh, going in. Like, we didn't think necessarily that Colorado was going to be, you know – a nine-win team this year. And Troy did their Troy thing, and Nebraska was obviously without Adrian Martinez. But I, I do think when you kind of look back at it and you can look game by game, the one and six makes sense. Like, it, it, if there are certain years where I've seen Nebraska line up different non-conference schedules where they would have they rattled off those non-con wins with this team. And so they would have been 3-0 and going into conference play, and right now they'd be like 4-3, and and nobody would think a darn thing about it, you know. So I do th- – I, it sounds like excuse-making, and maybe it is a little bit, but there is some validity to that. The teams on there, there weren't, there weren't cases of chopped liver really on that well, the, schedule. The funny thing is that – and not, not to take anything away from the teams you're going to play here in November, but there was all that talk about the stretch in November and, and what they were going to play there, and it's like, well – there's a chance Colorado is every bit as good, if not better, than Michigan State. Yep. And there's a chance Colorado and Iowa or Iowa and Purdue are comparable teams, and we wouldn't have said that in, you know, the beginning of the, the month. I mean, the Troy thing is still the outlier, but that game's always going to be the outlier because Adrian Martinez didn't even suit up and play it. So it's a – it's just – it's. A really good example of how often we want to make these grand sweeping statements about the schedule years in advance, and then when you get into it, it doesn't even play out how you even thought close to to what you thought. So it's just another example of we're idiots until proven otherwise, right? Well, that's always the case. Yeah, that's pretty much the the main takeaway there, I think. I mean, you guys could have just stopped me and be like, hey, we know where (laughs) you're going with this. Just just call ourselves dumb. We're good. Everybody agrees. We're on board. Cosign. When they lost Stamp to Purdue, motion. though, it did feel like around here, and even I think Frost felt it like, oh, man, that was a bad, bad loss. Cause then they gave away stuff and some stuff in that game. But I also left the stadium kind of thinking, like, that was kind of the Purdue I was thinking was going to be here before the season and hadn't showed up in early September. And it felt like from that point on, Purdue found itself. Yeah, I think dangerous team. I think that first half that Nebraska played in that Purdue game, two things happened there. I didn't give Purdue's defense enough credit, but Nebraska is also just turtled on offense Mm -hmm. after a really good first drive. And like this is something I put out on Twitter. Their second drives of this season, like every second drive other than one where they missed a field goal against Northwestern, has largely been abysmal or resulted in a turnover. Mm -hmm. So. There is something to the idea that, that Nebraska came out, especially in that Purdue game, that first drive. I mean, they marched right down the field and scored. And then they gave up a touchdown immediately. And then they did nothing the whole rest of that half. And I think that's kind of where the, that sour feeling of that game. Because the second half, they played better. I mean, Purdue also played well. 
in that second half too. But Nebraska looked more like the team that we saw against Northwestern and Minnesota in the second half of that Purdue game, and even the Wisconsin one, right. uh, than the first. Mm-hmm. The first was almost more of this continuation of how ugly it looked against Troy and, and Michigan. Yeah, and I think most people around here get it when they look at the picture of Nebraska's season. I, I do think some national folks maybe who just do a drive-by take don't completely understand it, but that's the way it's always going to be. Yeah. Well, uh, Nebraska hosted some recruiting visitors, and that went well. One already committed, and Jamie Nance talked with him this week. He felt really good about what he experienced with some of those other guys on the trip in terms of their excitement about Nebraska and his own excitement. I mean, that's a guy that he's been to several games, but he got to be here for the first win. That meant a lot to him, getting to see that offense getting to see his future quarterback and Adrian Martinez play the way that he has the last couple of weeks. I mean, so for a guy like Jamie Nance, a lot of excitement about Nebraska going forward. And that's true of a lot of those commits. And we can kind of get into what I've been working on a little bit about how fired up they are for a team that's one and six and where that excitement comes from. But some of these other guys that were in here, uh, you have Darian Chase, the wide receiver. You had Tavian Mayo, the defensive back. And there's one other who I continually forget, and I'm forgetting right now. Noah Polagates, the the DB, who's actually, in my opinion, maybe the second most talented person they had there uh, behind Bryce Benhart, who showed up as an unofficial visitor. I mean, that's a good visit weekend for Nebraska. I know there's been some complaints that they haven't brought in um, as many people, but they're averaging about four every visit weekend. If they start turning some of these into commits, which we'll see, um, you know, whether they do or not here over the next week or so, they've got some decisions coming up. They're going to get more in-season commitments than either Mike Riley or Bo Pelini averaged. And they're doing that with, a you know, currently a one and six team. And I know there's obviously some excitement about what is happening with Nebraska and in the future. But still, I mean, that's remarkable to me. And it, it just tells you that, People constantly overvalue what the record means to a recruit relative to relationship and what you can sell the future looks like. And when you can show it on a Saturday and a freshman quarterback goes 25 of 29 for 276 and runs for another 100 yards, you find me an offensive player who doesn't want to be part of that, it's going to be really hard. I mean, Adrian Martinez is a lot of things, but what he might be most – at the moment, is what Nebraska can point to to every offensive recruit that they're going after. Be like, don't you kind of want to, you know, play with this dude over here? Because he's radiating right now. Appreciated Adrian Martinez's quote about kind of what he says to recruits because he, he apparently doesn't host many recruits. Um, not surprising there, but. Um, well, just like a private quarterback coach, Verduzco doesn't want those recruits getting in his head. Right. Said, I, I don't. He was asked if he kind of sells the program. He says, I don't feel obligated to sell anything. If they don't want to come play here, I think that's on them. This is a special place. And if you can't see that we're building something special, you'll just have to be on the other end of it. People like, like that one. Yeah. I mean, that's it's just <laughs> like – and he wasn't even being antagonistic about it. It was just like, yeah, this is what's going to happen. Like, I mean, that's how the get staff – Get or get off. That's how the staff sold it when they first got here. Right is basically we expect to build this. 
you either build it with us or you watch us build it. Your choice. Right. And it that quote and his performance in the last couple of weeks just speaks, I think, to why whenever you take over at a new school, you have to go find a quarterback that fits your system. Like you have to find that guy that you can build around. You can't just get a guy and plug him in there and think that it's going to work? No. Have you seen examples of this? I have not. <laughs> I don't know why you feel so strongly about it then. But, I mean, it's – and to find the guy that they – to have the guy that they knew they were going to go after, to immediately go after him and to close that out the way they did, I mean, that – I think looking back on it, that's going to be probably the the most important thing that Nebraska did in Scott Frost's first year in Nebraska. This is probably super hot takey and ridiculous over the top coming off of the performance. Come on, do it. But if there's one thing that I feel unquestionably comfortable about, it's Nebraska's quarterback play for the next billion years, however long this thing's going for. Because that was their hand-picked guy. Mm -hmm. And everybody in the country had an opportunity to pull him away from Tennessee, who was you know the dumpster fire of all dumpster fires. And they didn't pick him out, you know, the day before or two days before they made this decision. This was Verduzco and Frost sitting down, knowing where they were going to be on December whatever, and deciding, we need someone that can do this with us. Who's out there? Who do we like? What about this kid that we had no shot at at UCF? Let's go get him. Yeah. That, uh, it's... It tells me so much that they did that. They were willing to do that in the absence of senior film, that they totally believe fully in their evaluation skills to go and do that. And I can already envision, and we've seen it, when they've taken commitments of whether it was Luke McCaffrey, who hadn't played much, or Logan Smothers, who's very young and didn't have the other offers. You already have people that are starting to question it. It's like, the more you watch Adrian Martinez play, the more you see McKenzie Milton play, you know what happened at Oregon. Like It's very clear to me that they understand what they need at court. It doesn't mean it's always going to work. I mean, it, it's never going to be 100% perfect, but I have very little doubt that they are going to bring in, for visits at least, some very, very highly talented players at quarterback. Because this is an offense that, I don't know why you wouldn't want to be a part of this. I mean, there's other offenses like that throughout the country. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, they hit an absolute grand slam with one of their very first decisions. And depending on who you talk to, that was one of the first conversations that came up mm -hmm. when certain people knew what was going to happen. The thing I like about Adrian, and I, I know Scott and Mario thought it right away with him recruiting him, was – Is he 34? Yeah, that helps. And he act well, he acts like it, of course. But, you know, P after that game, P.J. Fleck is saying, this guy's one of the best players in the country, and that's a little Fleckian, perhaps. He <laughs> likes to go, you know, over the top with stuff, maybe. Fleck? Yeah, a little bit. I don't know. Interesting. Like he's, I mean, that's an interesting, kind of different take. Yeah, You're the, out there on the edge a little bit. Wind up Not with me and Brunts in the middle. Yeah. And yet, you don't worry about Adrian Martinez, like – taking that and not being or letting it go to his head, you know, or like him really even caring that much about it. I don't know. He doesn't see, he just seems like, eh, go about my business, do my job. He always talks about do my job. What? Okay. So this isn't fair, but I'm going to ask it anyways. And you would probably have the only person here that would be able to answer it 
in the sense of 2010 versus now, what's the biggest difference between a guy, and he was in the program for a year and nobody had really known about him, in Adrian or in Taylor Martinez versus Adrian Martinez, and the sort of attention that they are getting because of how different they look at a position where Nebraska doesn't always have difference makers? Well, I mean, it isn't. Well, you think about Taylor Martinez like six games into his career. He was a Heisman. Yeah. So they're kind <laughs> when he left Kansas State's field, he was the Heisman front runner, and it wasn't close. And he might have already been after the Washington game. I I think Taylor had it a little bit more together than people sometimes give him credit for, but not like this kid. You know, not not like I I remember after the Kansas State game, he was sit. I'll for, I'll forever remember this. He was sitting at a little school desk um, as, with the team buses behind, and the, you could smell the gas and all this stuff. And, like, every national reporter was around him and all this stuff. And I was sitting there thinking, he's not quite ready for this, you know, like this this onslaught of media and all that. If Adrian Martinez were in that situation, if Nebraska were a top-10 team right now and those people were here and asking him every question – you know that it, it wouldn't be a problem. Like, you already know that. He already has that box checked. And that's where Taylor had to really work. You know, he was an introvert, and it was it was hard for him to be the guy at the University of Nebraska. Adrian Martinez, I don't know if he's an extrovert or not, but he, he's, he's equipped with the tools to handle just, like, get through a press conference, not say anything too shocking and – you know, say the right stuff, and a, he's a coach's dream. You know, you never have to worry about him. He reminds me a little bit of Mariota in just how he handles the press and stuff. I always thought Mariota was kind of like that, even at Oregon, where he's like, this guy's never a problem for that staff, you know. Well, and physically, that's the comp that they use for him right from the get-go, too. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, he's been – I mean, everything – as advertised uh, from the very first moment that he was out on the field. Yeah, and That's, you don't want to overdo it. Right. But yet he's been it, right stellar so far. It's one of those rare times where it feels like the hype has so far lived up to what had been talked about. And, and they weren't exactly just like heaping praise on him. And let's not forget that there was people out there who thought that this was a real close quarterback race throughout August in the way that it was presented because somebody took some snaps at the 12 minutes that we were out there watching practice. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I fully believe that Nebraska knew what they were getting in Adrian Martinez and seven games into the season, six of which he's played, he's presented why that he was their guy. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, bode so well for Nebraska going forward. I concur. Well, uh, Bethune Cookman week has just turned into Real lavish praise of Adrian Martinez. Some Adrian real Martinez heat for PJ Fleck from Brian over here. Fleck Even him. after Fleck talked about how Scott Frost outcoached him, which I thought was kind of interesting too. Well, I thought PJ Fleck was. I'll give him this. He was. <clears throat> he was uh, honest about getting his butt whipped in that game. But yeah. what, what are you gonna say? I think he knows that a little bit of the fanfare is dying out up there, so he's got to maybe change his course a little bit. 
I'll say this. Nebraska schemed very well in that game. They ran the ball well. They found areas in a Minnesota defense to attack, and they went over and over and over at it. Minnesota didn't adjust. And that's a, that was a good run defense. I mean, that was a run defense. I mean, obviously we saw Ohio State ran out of gas against Purdue, and Purdue was able to handle them. But I'm telling you, I mean, the Minnesota defense against Ohio State looked pretty good. I did not <laughs> did not anticipate 53 points going up on the board. And Divino Zigbo, of all people, to just bust out these runs is just remarkable. Getting his Roy Halu on. Yeah. People were very excited to see if Roy's record was going down early in the first quarter, and then it never got close. Yeah, never. It was like half of it. Yeah. They, just, they didn't that. keep feeding him. Does it say anything to you that in that drive, 28-22, that Maurice Washington was the guy? That they, they didn't have any fear about if it was his turn that, to keep the freshman out there versus Ozigbo even in a day where he was doing well? Does uh, that matter? Am I reading too much into it? I don't think so. I, I think it might have just been what they were going to do. Hell basically said but. his conversation with Washington before was, we need a play. And well, there could have been some of that. They could have thought if there's a guy of these two guys, yeah. Maurice is a guy who could house 160, although Divine had done it. He did it. But uh, So I don't know, but it might have just been Maurice's turn in, as much as anything yeah. in that game. Any final thoughts over there? I was gonna. I was wondering if we were gonna discuss the uh, top twenty-five Nebraska basketball team. Well, where's Lou? Where's Slider? Oh, they're not here. I think we're good. Yep, we're good. To, we're good to talk about it. Had the uh, Husker preview event last night um, for the the first public look at, at this team and kind of what they are after. Basically, they, they do like a 90-minute practice and then do a 16-minute scrimmage. So the there were some tired legs, I think. But, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this team plays with expectations because you had a, basically a split scrimmage with Iowa State where Nebraska kind of got it taken to them in the first half and came back and won the second half. And Did players play in both halves? Yeah. From what I understood, it seemed like they had split it up where guys mostly played in one half or the other. Yeah, I think it was primarily the starters in the first half, and some guys got in in the second half too. But um, the depth thing is going to be interesting to me because you've got the four guys you know you can trust, and it's going to be Tom Allen probably, the fifth guy. In the Indiana's game. basketball or Indiana's football coach. He's going by Tom now. He's going by Tom? They were calling him Tom last night. Can you just shorten it to T? I guess you could. I just, Tom Allen's a very, like, man name. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so Tom's here. I would trust Tom Allen as my realtor. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> definitely to do my taxes. Uh, so Tom Allen. How do you feel about Tom Allen three-point specialist? Does that one have the same ring as realtor? I don't, maybe not, but anyway. So Tom Allen. <laughs> Uh, Brunch wants to talk. You've got Nana uh, coming off the bench, who didn't really play at all last year. How did he look? Pretty good, actually. Um, Thor maybe gives you something. You're going to have Amir Harris off the bench, too. I I just don't know. I I think Nebraska can win a lot of games with that starting five. If you get get into the depth a little bit, that's where I start getting a little bit worried. Who of the guys on the bench – can be the sixth man. 
Because you, you gotta have you gotta at least be able to go six deep. You have to. Right. No, I think I think Amir Harris can can guard. Uh, I, he's gonna have to score. I think, which is kind of tough to do in the Big Ten. Big Ten as a freshman. Um, you know, I, I don't know what Didosh Chan is gonna provide off the bench in terms of scoring punch. He can fouls. Get you some minutes in the paint. Fouls. Some fouls. He's got the fouls. Um, I mean, we're being honest. That's yeah, I mean, it's what it is. Tanner Borkart maybe gives you a couple points off the bench. I mean, it's that you're going to have to find probably about 20 points, I think, from that bench to feel really confident that you're going to be able to do a lot of stuff. Did you perk up when Salt and Peppa played? That was a surprise. That when when Tanner Borkart chose to run out to what a man by Salt and Peppa. I was a little surprised. I would have gone with push it personally, but that's just me. Did that maybe move him up the the roster management in your head? Like maybe there's something to this kid. I just like to imagine Salt and Peppa just being really big in, in Gothenburg, Nebraska. <laughs> Swedes, they love it. <laughs> Salt and Peppa did a concert there in 1992. Nobody yeah. knew this, but it happened. Uh, so that that was that was probably the highlight of the pregame stuff, but. Um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting, and, and I we we've kind of seen in the past how Nebraska's played with expectations early on. Um, I think this team's built a little bit better for it, but you know the the other key too is Glenn Watson was looking for a shot a lot more. I know that Armand Gates has worked with him a lot and challenged him to be more aggressive on offense. I think if you just get Glenn back at least to where he was. His sophomore season, you're you're going to be fine offensively with him, but he's just scoring all over Lonzo Ball. Yeah, like yeah, I'd take that version of Glenn you, too. You need that Glenn, or at least like half of that version. Yeah, give me Iowa Glenn when he went off for 38 points. Yeah. yeah, I'm not not real, you know, picky here. Any of those would be fine. Yeah, those fine, two Glenn, fine iterations of Glenn. Just but, don't give me Northwestern Glenn where he scored six points. Yes, I don't want that Glenn. So that's that's what I got. What do you? What thoughts do you have on basketball, BC? I'm excited for it. Section 209. I'll be up there. 206. Maybe no, pop. Maybe pop into the press area if needed some week. I don't know, but it's gonna be huge. It's gonna be good. I've locked Brunson in for every game, so I'm I'm not planning on. Covering I think uh, Tanner Borkart is going to be like a Keeley little. I I think he'll have a place for really? this team. I do. Some John Turek action from him? I just think, like, kind of the guy who can come in and give you those, like, you know, you need that guy who gives you those five or six minutes where it's like this is the energy you're supposed to have some nights, like, even if it's not always flawless. And I think he's that kind of kid. And so I think he's useful in that way. He's played more in Big Ten basketball than you ever could have imagined. Uh, for was it Minnesota where he had that amazing little stretch for like he had a great yeah I was trying to minutes. think of which game it was mm-hmm. yeah and he he had a good stretch I don't know if it was Minnesota though I don't know but he he had that one game where yep. it was just like four minutes where he had like eight points and five yep. rebounds I know exactly what was, you're talking it was about ridiculous but yeah and, and you're right I mean if he can give him that then that allows you to get Roby out and or Copeland, I mean, foul trouble is just going to be dictating so much of what happens with this team. That um, what do they? The offense look largely what we've seen before. Yeah, they'll get out and run a little bit. I think they need to shoot it better from three. I mean, that's you know, new year, same thing. But 
I mean, I, I don't think you're going to see any huge changes there. I think Isaiah Roby, if he can shoot more from outside and make those shots. I mean, he, he was good last year. I think people forget that he shot pretty well from three-point range, all things considered. Are they So when they have the Roby, Palmer, Copeland front court, sort of. I yes. Yep. Copeland, Roby yep. front court, and Palmer, Allen, Tom, Allen. Tom. And Glenn Watson back court. Is, could they almost go five wide around the, the perimeter on think, some teams? I think so. I mean, I, I still don't know that there are a ton of teams in the Big Ten right now. Did anybody play that high post for him? No. Copeland, I guess. Copeland a little He'd bit. He'd actually be pretty dangerous from there. Yeah. I mean, it's. I, I just don't know that there's many Big Ten teams that have a matchup, a good matchup for Roby. Like, no. And, bro, and that's, you're right. How they kind of choose to deploy him this year is going to be really interesting to follow because everybody's seen him now. Everybody's had to game plan for him. I don't know that anybody really did a nice job of, of stopping him. Um, so I, I think that's going to be a, a big key in assuming he can stay healthy because he's got the feet issues. Well, Ethan Happ can stop him. He can stop anybody. Think so? No. Okay. Just throwing that out there. Okay. There's a joke about all the foul shots that he gets. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that, true. You know, nobody can actually stay in the game against him because they're all sitting on the bench with I get four it. fouls. A little Wisconsin foul humor. Sure was. <laughs> I got it. You want me to throw in some Brad Davison just took a charge and it's not even Yeah, that, that season would have, that have clued me more in to, that you were joking because. You know. All right. Sorry. I, anyway, I didn't know it was that dry. Sorry. I, I thought we're usually on the same I, yeah, wavelength I, on these I things. haven't had lunch yet. Well, oh, my bad. Slow. That's fine. Let's get Brunt some lunch, shall yep. we? Yep. Uh, I could have lunch, too. So. All right. Well, these guys need lunch. Uh, if you need Nebraska news, so you can go to Husker 24-7. Recruiting stuff, game stuff. Maybe we have a Bethune-Cookman preview. I don't know. I haven't looked at the budget in two months, <laughs> so I don't know what we actually have planned for the rest of the week. But there'll be stuff. I promise you that. And on Saturday, there'll be game stuff. You'll have recaps. You'll have videos. Uh, you'll have, you know, what we're looking for. There'll be a hype cast on Friday. Brian will confer with his aunt about what score he wants to go with. And, uh, you know, we'll see what he ends up picking. It's always one of the highlights of my week. I know that much. <laughs> so, as always, check us out at uh, Husker 24-7 and check out this podcast again next week when we discuss Ohio State.